Welcome to the Queen and Jerk podcast with Sarah and Kyle, a fitness and lifestyle podcast where we talk about fitnessy things and life. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Queen and Jerk podcast. Um, it has been a while since our first episode, but we are just winging this and fitting it in when we can. So that's where we're at. Kyle is here with me. Say hi. Hey everyone. Um, and today we thought, um, we're just kind of starting this off with some softballs for you before we get into some really more meaty content, I guess you should say, could say. So today, what we thought would be a good topic to, um, dive into are fitness myths. So we're going to go over a couple and, um, debunk some myths that we feel like are pretty common out there that are a little misunderstood. So Kyle, do you want to start with the first one? Sure. I'll go with the first one. Love it. Yeah. Um, the one I wanted to start with is the one that, uh, you know, the bro science states that you have 30 minutes after your workout to get, uh, get your protein in. Um, I want to go ahead and just debunk that right now. That's false. You have about three to four hours to feed your muscles protein post-workout. Um, yeah, ideally, it'd be nice to have your shake ready to go right after your workout, get it out of the way, you know, and then you can go about your day. But if you don't happen to have your shake that day, don't feel like you need to buy one right away. You've got three to four hours to feed your muscles, and uh, so just relax when it comes to that. Bro science isn't uh, always right. So, Can I add something to you that? You sure can, Sarah. I would also add to make sure you do have some carbohydrates with your protein if for like a post workout if you don't have a if you don't have a meal plan right away and you're just doing a shake making sure that you are including some carbohydrates with that protein because the carbohydrates are what is shuttling the protein to your muscles for the repairing process so um, that is the least scientific way of just of explaining that. <laughs> and what's the uh, so what's the, the stuff you like to use? Who's it from? I use First Form. Yeah, but what's the name of it? Ignition. Ignition. Okay, yeah, that's ideal. So what Sarah's talking about is you know a couple scoops of protein and one scoop of ignition from First Form is what we like to use. Um, works really really good. Um, really helps with recovery at least i can tell it does and their protein as well but yeah so don't feel like you have to hit that 30 minute window or the hour window whatever you've heard in the past the anabolic window you've got a little time you got three to four hours to get it in you know so don't rush don't worry about it but just make sure you get it in no matter what what do you got nice i wanted to start with the myth that Lifting weights will make you bulky. This is from a girl's. Um, So (laughs) I know that it's nothing that I've ever really been afraid of just because I've known from an early age that I have, I'm predispositioned to put on some muscle. So I've just embraced it. But I know that a lot of women do really want to um, work out and get stronger, but are not wanting to look as muscular and um for one muscle is really hard to it takes a long time to build and you really aren't you can get stronger but to really get like adequate hypertrophy where you can see visibly see growth in your muscles takes a long time 
strength does take a long time to develop as well. Um, but there, you can't really change a whole lot about the way that your body is going to look in your genetics. And some people are going to put muscle on faster than others, but it doesn't have a lot to do. This isn't coming out right, but no, you're making even sense. if two women did the exact same training program, they're not going to look the same. And that's just mostly genetics and everything else that you're not doing in the gym. So it has to do with your nutrition. It has to do with your sleep and your stress levels. And all of those things go into how your body is going to look at the end of the day. Right. And, and training is just a small part of that for one. Yeah. And you have estrogen. That, yes. That yep. gets and in the way. And not as much testosterone. It's hard to fight that estrogen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's one thing for you ladies, you got working against you. If you are trying to look super muscular, you know, estrogen is probably standing in your way to a point. But again, to Sarah's point, genetics has a lot to do with it as well. Um, some people look more cut than others. Mm-hmm. So blame your parents. That's right. <laughs> Mom and dad. <laughs> Anything else on that subject? Is that what you wanted to touch that on? That is... That's what I wanted to touch on. I know that I have had people that I've coached that have said, you know, I just don't want to look as muscular as you are. <laughs> like, well, <laughs> I totally get that and I can respect that. But also there's been, I've literally been training my entire life. So, and working on getting myself stronger that whole time. In different ways, of course, whether it was endurance or now I'm working more specifically on strength programming, but... And you don't cheat very often on your I, diet. I'm pretty... I'm working on that, yeah. but uh, for most of the time, I'm the one who eats most of the sweets. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, that is just to say that if there's a lot more that goes into it than just your programming and building muscle takes a long time so don't be afraid of getting stronger it's pretty awesome it's a myth the whole looking bulky thing is a myth it really in general (laughs) it's a myth like also i love it so if you do put on some muscle i'm your biggest fan so (laughs) don't be afraid kyle do you have another myth yeah i do have another myth uh this one's pretty obvious a lot of people might know this one um but I'm going to cover it anyway because some people might not. And it's uh, if, uh, if you exercise, you will lose weight no matter what you eat. Okay? Big time myth, right? So just because you went to the gym for an hour and a half, you know, doesn't mean you can go home and chow down on a double bacon cheeseburger, a large fry, and a large Coke. You are going to spin your wheels and you're never going to see any differences. If anything, you might even see you gain some weight because you can't. You can't, if you're not eating a good diet, you can't out-exercise it, right? And then also on top of that, you don't want to exercise and not eat because that's probably, in my opinion, even worse. Um, so, yes, reward yourself. Yes, but I, um, the rule I like to use is 70-30. I know that's probably a little generous. Some people like to say 80-20. 70-30, and that 70% is your diet, right? You need to have that dial in 70% of the time, you know, eating healthy, good stuff. The other 30% is when you can cheat. That's a good rule of thumb. A lot of people go 80-20. Some people go 85-15. You know, but I think starting at 70-30 would be a good place to start. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have, you know, if you're like me and you can't say no to cake, pie, sweets, all that good stuff, start at 
and then you know go from there. But yeah, you can't go in there, kill yourself in a workout, or even go for an hour run, but eat you know thirty five, four thousand calories a day and not even monitoring it. Doesn't work. You're gonna gain weight, mm-hmm. and it's not gonna work. You want to touch on that at all? Yeah, I would just say that everything that you said is correct. You can't out-train a bad diet. And I would also say if you're trying to change something in your diet and you feel like, well, if you say 70-30, then I have to change 70% of what I'm eating right now and only 30% can say the same, that seems like a big change. And I, if I've ever, when I've ever helped people with their nutrition, it's always just starting with, start with something that you can change. (laughs) Not like start with 70% of the things that you can change. And you're working towards getting to that, you know, 70, 80, whatever is your kind of um, balance point for maintenance of of whatever your goal is. So um, I would just say that if you're looking at, changing your nutrition it is a huge part of you know not just your performance but also you know if you have body composition goals you're trying to shoot for or anything like that nutrition is a big part of it but it doesn't mean you have to be perfect and it doesn't mean that you can't change something and have it make a difference and it's just changing something one thing when you have time and you make the time and space to start making changes and to build on that, make the time, and what she means by that, a great example would be meal prep on Sundays or even Saturdays. Whenever you have the time, a great way to get you into that 70% range is to meal prep. Mm-hmm. Focus on that, and the rest of it will be it'll go pretty easy for you. Yeah, it's true. It makes a big difference. What do you got? And we do that, in case you're wondering. <laughs> we meal prep. It works. Um, uh, the other... Well, another myth that I have is also regarding women in training, and that is that women, the myth is that women need different training program than men. And um, I would say that isn't, I would say that's not true. So I will add to that, but the first thing is that, you know, we all have the same muscles. And if we're all if we're all training for one specific lift, you still need to get the same muscles stronger in order to do that. So if we're talking about snatching, for example, you still need to have the same strength and balance in your um, posterior chain. You still need to have the same shoulder strength and balance. You still need to have the same core strength and balance, and you still to get that, you're going to be doing the same exercises. I will add to that though and say that I feel like because of the way that women's hormones do fluctuate throughout the month that adds an, a layer of complexity to your training and recovery that men don't necessarily have to deal with. So it is important to pay attention to those fluctuations and understand the type of training that will benefit you throughout those times and also how your recovery changes throughout those times. Um, and there are some, there's some great literature on that stuff. I love the book Roar from Stacey Sims. She goes into great detail on um, ways to train throughout the month and the 
differences in regards to um, recovery, the types of training and, and all that. And then I would also add that I was listening to Travis Mash talk about one of the differences that he saw sees in his athletes, male versus female. And who's Travis Mash? He's a strength coach. Um, and he, they have the, he's part of the Barbell Shred Collective uh, podcast. And he was saying that he's noticed that women get better results doing higher intensity more frequently than men do. So throwing in like on a back squat, you know, 90%, you know, for one or two or whatever, a lot more frequently than men seem to be able to handle and recover from as well. And for women to keep getting stronger, they need that higher intensity more, a lot more frequently. So that just proves my theory that women do have a higher pain tolerance than men right there. That's, we all know that. That's that's not, that is not There's a There's another myth. example, another example of why women are tougher than men. <laughs> so is that all you got on that? That's, that's all I got. Do you have anything to add? No. Other no. than pain tolerance and Yeah, okay. that's about it. Just a little jab from the side. You know. Just making fun of uh making fun of men and how we're not as tough as women. No big deal. Well, you have a lot of strengths. <laughs> I don't know. We can grow a beard. Grow <laughs> Which... a pretty good beard. <laughs> I won't go there. My last myth <laughs> is um is the the myth that if you you were born explosive or you're or you're born slow athlete, you know, you're fast twitch and your slow twitch muscle fibers. And, in, you know, to a point that's kind of true, obviously, like, there's some people that are a lot better long distance runners than I'll ever be, but, you know, I'll be a lot better sprinters than I'll ever be and vice versa. And that, yes, is genetics, but that doesn't, that's not the end of the road. You know, a prime example is myself. Uh, I was an explosive athlete growing up all through high school and college, didn't work on any endurance stuff any cardio in general at all um and then when i started getting back into fitness a few years back i, I didn't go right into explosive stuff i i dove right into trail running and ran ultra marathons for a couple of years and i was able to train my body you know hey i need the slow twitch in this case i need to be able to go 12 hours a day or whatever the case may be and i got there did it take me longer than most than other people with good genetics is, comes long distance? Yes, of course. But I was still able to get there. And so I don't want anybody out there to think, oh, I'm slow, I can't do anything explosive. That's wrong. You can do it. You can totally train. It might take you longer to get there, but you can still do it. Anything on that, Sarah, that you'd like to touch on? No, I just, I have experienced the same things. So going from, I was a sprinter, jumper, um, in college and then I transitioned into endurance sports um, and did half Ironman triathlons for a very long time and I then went into training for the mile and was pretty successful there and transitioned into doing CrossFit and it has taken a little bit of time to get that speed back but um, you can get there mm -hmm. yeah so don't you know, if you think you're a slow person and you want to get into CrossFit or anything explosive, don't just, you know, assume, uh, I, I can't do this. You can. It just might take you longer, a little more perseverance, you know, a little more consistency, but you will get there. I promise you that. Also, just don't, don't think that just because you're 40, <laughs> 
you can't train your body to do different things. Very true. Yeah. That wasn't the myth that I was going to use, but that's a good one too. A good that one too. as you get older, you know, I think a lot of people just get relegated to a certain way of being well, and forget that your body is incredibly adaptable yeah. and is pretty amazing at doing a lot of different things. Well, I think a lot of us grew up with the old line when we were kids, wait till you get to my age. Mm-hmm. You know, we heard that a lot growing up and I've got to say I'm 41 now and I'm still waiting for that. Wait till you get to my age. I feel pretty damn good. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> making fun of you, dad, mom, all you guys. <laughs> I'm, sure the, I'm, I'm sure the hammer's you. coming, but. <laughs> yeah. Father time always wins. <laughs> but you can do any, you can do your best to, to keep him at bay for as long as you can. That's right. So that's all I got. Keep fighting. That's my last myth. Keep fighting. Yeah. Um, I, the only, the last one that I had is, um, I guess older. I'm not. I honestly have been in this kind of space for such a long time that I forget that people believe these things, but, um, (laughs) I know that is not a dig on somebody that believes this, but the last one I was going to touch on is you can only burn fat at a certain target heart rate zone and getting technical. I saw this in an article and I was like, what? People still believe this, but, um, I vividly remember and have still recently seen the old heart rate zone posters at the gyms. So when you're on the Stairmaster or elliptical or whatever, you know, you're supposed to be in a certain heart rate zone because that's the fat burning zone. So, um, that whole idea is not really geared. Well, it's, not necessarily entirely wrong, but it's not really geared towards everybody. So there is when you're exercising a certain point in your intensity level, which is gauged by your heart rate, where your your body does burn mostly fat at a certain heart rate. And as the intensity increases, your body starts to rely more heavily on carbohydrates because it's a faster burning source of fuel. But that crossover point is different for everybody, for one. So just looking at a chart isn't really an accurate depiction of what's going to happen in your body as you're going through this journey. Um, And if you are trying to burn fat, (laughs) that just staying at like 140 heart rate is all that you're doing isn't really going to change much. Um, I think it's important that, you know, you're mixing in intensity levels and you're working on building strength and you know all those different exercise components and not just staying in a certain heart rate zone um there's just a lot more to it than that including the things that we've already touched on like nutrition recovery sleep and stress so those things are (laughs) really important in making sure that your hormones stay in balance and having that hormonal balance is what keeps your body regulating more appropriately for your activity level and will lead to changes more quickly and consistently in your like body composition and performance. So there's just, I guess, a lot more to it than just looking at your heart rate zone. Do you have any... 
No, no, I, I think you did a really good job of covering that. I was just going to touch on, you know, there's that fat burning zone like you touched that you touched on, and I have some ultra buddies, and you might have known some uh, triathletes that did the same mm-hmm. thing, but I never did it. I just, I didn't like to. I didn't even want to try it. I don't know why, but I didn't. But they adapted their bodies to burn fat, mostly for their energy. Mm-hmm. And the whole point behind that was um, is they can go longer without fuel, right? <clears throat> right. So... It makes sense when you're an endurance athlete like that. And, and it worked well for him. I was never tough enough. I had to have carbs all the time. I'm just, a, I love, my body loves carbs, so I've never tried it. But I've seen it work for people where they've gone five, six hours without food because mm-hmm. they're burning the fat. And the whole, the only way they could do that is they've kept their heart rate under a certain, right. certain beat per minute. Once they got over that, they started getting into their glycogen stores, their carbs, and then, and then you burn out quick. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then you're done. So. Yeah, which is exactly why I never got too far down the rabbit hole of um, a high-fat diet and or racing training protocol because I was so focused on performance and performing performing at the highest level possible that my performance suffered if I relied too heavily on fat. Same here. I was constantly burning at that high, that higher end. And for me, it just took that edge off if I didn't have, if I was relying too much on fats and I mean, not just physically, but mentally too. Like I just kind of got, um, it just took the edge off. I don't know how else to say it. There you go. Nailed it. Nailed it. Nailed it. Um, so that I, that's, that concludes our myth-busting session. Do you have anything else you want to touch on? No, not we... much. I just hope that helps. You know, um, hope that helps anybody out there, my, our listeners out there. Um, don't forget to uh, rate our podcast and throw in some reviews. If you feel like we need to work on some things, we'd l- mm-hmm. we're always open to suggestions. Like and subscribe. Like and, like and subscribe. <laughs> and, I'll uh, also add that we are not doctors. So if you are thinking about changing anything in your exercise or nutrition or anything like that, please consult a professional. <laughs> but we're pretty we're pretty right on the money though. So they'll we're, they'll agree with us, but they might help you. We're always right. <laughs> Just so you know, we're always right. Um, and also we do have the election coming up in just a couple of days. Hopefully it ends in a couple of days, but yes. I don't know if you wanted to touch on that at all. I just hope everybody got out there and voted. Yeah. I just want to say, make sure you voted no matter who your candidate is, get out there and vote. Right. And, and this will probably come out after a crazy, as crazy a year this has been, you know, no matter what your, your political ideal ideologies are, you know, we all got to live in this country together. And at the end of the day, I think, Besides the major topics, I bet most of us have more in common than than we think we do. Um, at the end of the day, I think we should all be able to get along just fine, and and that's what America is all about: is being able to disagree, agree to disagree. That's what we're all about, right? That's we, we're good at that. We used to be good at that. We need to find that again and get better at it, and learn learn to live with people with different ide- ideologies than us. It's okay. Yeah, and I would just add that. Um... I just really, really want people to start focusing more on lifting each other up. And I hope that at the end of 
I hope that by next week we can start to move forward in that direction. <laughs> please. Yes. Please. So, um, all right. Well, thanks for listening, guys. And, yeah, let us know if there's anything else that you would like to hear from us. Um, and hopefully Subscribe. we can get another episode out to you in two weeks. We're going to try to do every other week. So stay tuned. Thanks for listening.